listening to Soccer Talk in the Park, the official podcast of the Sherwood Park District Soccer Association. We are here live at the uh, fun little boardroom, I guess it is. We always call it a studio. It's not a studio. This is Soccer <laughs> Talk in the Park, the official podcast of the Sherwood Park District Soccer Association. I'm in here with Diego Vender. Hey, how's it going? He's one of the regulars. Yeah, sometimes. But it's our Strive for <laughs> Excellence camp, and it's uh, our Strive for Excellence show. So I have Alex Bunbury in the room. What's up, everyone? There we go. Andy McKnight. How you doing, everybody? That's it. Close to the microphone. Yeah, first time caller, long time listener, one of those things. (laughs) Right on. And Tosh Farrell, how are you, Tosh? I'm in good shape, thanks. Yeah. Are you? So happy to have you guys back. Uh, What was that? Yeah, I'm happy to have everybody back and and, uh, brand new to the uh, realm of uh, both. This is your first time in Canada, too, isn't it? Yeah, first time for me. Yeah. First time in Canada. I'll be snucking it with the last. Uh, we'll see how the week goes, pal. The way you, the way you were coaching today, I think it will be your last time. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, I'll video you. I'll video you. Essentially, we both had a word. What a blast. <laughs> and that's part of the fun of having guys like this in here is the, just the banter alone will, uh, will keep us in stitches, keep us motivated to keep coming back and keep having them come back but yeah i mean obviously the the weather in alberta at least for us uh has been horrendous as far as the summer goes it's been nothing but rain and uh and just lots of cancellations and movement of fields we were technically moved from the original site of this camp but today fantastic weather it was gorgeous. British weather. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> British weather. Not. To do with you. <laughs> Not. It was, oh. it was so good. And he had to roll up his shorts. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't want to mention Tosh's shorts. I promised myself I wouldn't mention unless. Unless you had to? No, unless I'm provoked. Okay, okay. Hopefully there'll be no provocation today at all. No provocations. No provocations at all just conversations um, it, it was and speaking of conversations alex we were we were all sitting around at lunch today just uh well having lunch <laughs> that's what you yeah. do at lunch um but you came up you had a topic yeah. we were discussing or you guys were discussing yeah. and i just happened to walk over and catch it and i think what you were discussing was types of players um or what makes up a team yeah. what makes up a team and and how do you look at those players that make up a team? Right. Well, I think it's a great discussion. I think it's a much needed discussion that we have to have across the country, uh, not only here in Canada, but as well in, in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, I personally believe that soccer is an individual sport. Mm-hmm. And I get a lot of pushback when, when I mention that because most, most of the time, most of the talk that we have, it's that the team wins the game, the team loses the game, and this and that and all of that. Yeah. I agree that at the end of the day, we do form a team, but the, the team is made out of individuals mm-hmm. and accountability from an individual standpoint. I yeah. think that when I'm on the field, when I was on the field, I had to go do my job. I yeah. was responsible to doing my job. What is my job? I played as a striker. My job was to go out and make great runs, make myself available, get in the box, and score goals. Yeah. And if I didn't do that, my team would suffer from that. Mm-hmm. And back and forth. So we can go in all thirds of the field and, and, and give individual responsibility to players. And I think that's very important for us to put that forth to our young players. If they understand the importance of their individual job and what they need to do on the field, 
and then collectively you become a team. And then we also start to become independent in terms of our own production. Mm-hmm. I think we become better players and we become better teams that way. I think it's definitely lost in North America. Or it, it, there's an ebb and flow to it, I guess, where sometimes you'll find groups of players that are exactly like that, that can come together and actually be part of a team. And they are very... In, alert in their tasks that they're being asked of them from coaches as far as their individuality on the pitch. But then the, you, you run into situations where it's just the focus there. I mean, and I'm not just talking at the kids level. I'm, I'm talking at the pro level. I see it in the CPL here all the time. You can, you can see the players on the park on any given day mm-hmm. that aren't focused on what their job is on the field. Yep. Um, I don't know. You, you've yeah, been well, around the world a bunch of times here, Tosh. Yeah, well, I, I'd, I'd moved back uh, a little bit uh, before the, the end of the, into the team. And in terms of uh, strive for excellence, if we're calling the program strive for excellence, and I think mm-hmm. every academy is striving for, for, for excellence across, across the world. Yeah. And it's where they get off that journey. Yeah. And it's the responsibility of that organisation to make sure the one who is... Uh, Potential is maximised, so they're as good as they possibly can be mm. as individuals technically. Now, when I'm as good as, as I uh, can potentially be, that may not be good enough to reach the levels that some have played, but it's my level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the, the next step then is can, where do them best players who are technically competent go and they, they go on to the next level and I call that a manager I don't call that a coach I call that a manager who sees me uh, the potential in, in me or any of the players and then can put them in a position that he feels is best suitable to uh, his team because mm-hmm. he's building a team and then he builds his team uh, with, with those with those players yeah. he moulds them into um what his vision of how the game should be played. So Pep Guardiola has got his, a vision of his of his playing for, uh, philosophy. So he goes around the world picking players up that fit his philosophy. But you know what he doesn't pick? A player who can't play tech as an individual. Yeah. He picks highly technical players and is 11 individuals, individuals and we're talking about Pep Guardiola, and we're talking about them simply because they won the, the premiership in... Mm-hmm. They won the premiership because they have the best squad of individuals who collectively mm-hmm. have been moulded together for a team. And I think in a development pathway, you've got uh, myself, who I call a youth coach. I can't manage. It's a different skill altogether. It's not in my re- mm-hmm. uh, It's not something I want to do. Why? Because I know I'm not very good at it. I think I'm okay as a coach. And they re- my remit is make them as technically competent as possible, pass them over to people with the, with the management uh, management experience yeah. and all those skills who can then put the, light the candle, so to speak, yeah. you know, the finished job, take all the glory, yeah. take all the glory as a player who de- who's been developed, who have developed these and give them opportunity because there's no point to be out talent, opportunities, nothing. Yeah. I, I 100% agree. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, I've said that without opportunity, yes. talent is nothing. Yeah. yeah. And, and we look at, we look at what we're doing right now at, at the Strive for Excellence camp where we have to be able to look at the individual, right? We've got kids that are from eight till 13 years old this is the prime time for when everybody's going to be learning the skill set of how to become a footballer. 
All right, you're not jumping into a team, and you're not you're not going out and, and playing games for for results. You're learning the fundamentals of of how to beat somebody one v one, how to get to that gate quicker than somebody else does. You 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 individualize in these little moments of the session. So how to dribble? I mean, that for me was just yeah brilliant, and that was part of the conversation we had as well, where where you were saying here in North America, everyone's taught pass, 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 and I think that's a hockey mentality because of what the number one sport in the country here, I guess, is, is hockey. But you're right. I mean, we, and they seem to relay that to kids more and more and it shouldn't be, it should be dribble first. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you look up players and you can ask any player, who's, who's the best player in the world, whether it's a, it's a, you know, the, the way the, the girls play the women's world cup. Fantastic. It's yeah. what we want. More, more of that. Who's the best player? The, the, the Morgan. Yeah. You know, they, yeah. they put people in there, all these yeah. goal strikers do some fantastic defending, getting done. Oh yeah. Do some sure. fantastic goalkeeping, getting done. Yeah. I mean, the Dutch goalkeeper, fantastic. Oh, yeah. But they're all the players are looking at the dribblers. Yeah, and this is the bit that I think the language of of coaching. There should be a language of, of coaching where you use the word dribble before you say pass, mm-hmm. and you work your sessions back from dribbling. Yeah, I mean, like so, you know, a bunch of under nines today. Um, what do you think you should do? Pass, 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 and it comes first. And yet they want to dribble. They want to excite you. They want to do something and then look across at the coach's eyes or the parents' eyes, and the parents' eyes are lit up. Yeah. You know, and they've yeah. got the names and lights to Fully smile. Fully excited. And, and I just think, why don't you want more of that? I work with, with uh, Alan Irvin, who's one of the top developers in, 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 in back in the in England. He's got a great reputation as a coach. Yeah. And I've, I've seen a little quote in uh, the LMA LMA magazine, the League Managers Association magazine, and he's quoted as saying, um, if I've got a great dribbler, I'm not going to turn him into a great tackler. And for me, that says everything. Develop a player's strengths, work on those weaknesses, mm-hmm. but if a strength's going forward, don't sacrifice that for, for something else. Yeah. Andy, what are your thoughts on uh, the whole... Yeah, I just, if you look at the, if you look at the reality, what happens is yeah. the, the programs, the, the coaching programs are set up for, for people to pass and link and, or pass through the thirds or into the backspace. Yeah. And when that's not enough, they go and spend 75 million on somebody who's good one-on-one and a dribbler. Yeah. So your program is based around... Uh, something else mm-hmm. but when push comes to shove that's not enough to to, to win games no so for what sure. they do is they buy that in a print, they buy that in from somewhere else mm-hmm. they've got a program that promotes individuals so they buy that in for zillions yeah so it's it's actually you, cu- you couldn't make it up could you no so your own program doesn't develop these players but in the end you have to go and buy that yeah for an absolute fortune mm-hmm. And it's on the opposite side of the fence of your own program. Yeah. How do you get around that? You've got to have coaches that are prepared that know what they're going to do to develop people that can carry the ball. Mm-hmm. I don't really, I don't personally use the ball term dribbler. Yeah. I use the I use the term somebody that can recognise space and overload. Mm-hmm. Which that could be somebody from the back. That could be somebody that runs wide inside and leaves space for somebody else. Mm-hmm. George Best used to run in and change direction. Yeah. And he didn't dribble, he changed direction. Yeah. 
So we've got to have, you've got to have people that know how to do that. Yeah. You've got to have people that, that are brave enough to do that. Yeah. And then you can produce them type mm-hmm. of players. Yeah. Instead of buying them. Yeah. For sure. That's, but that's, that is actually the reality of mm-hmm. what happens. Yeah. We buy the players we want to develop because we're not prepared to we're develop them ourselves. Yeah, we're not prepared because it's hard, it's hard work. We want to win games on yeah. Saturday. Yeah. And maybe chipping in the corners and paying for throw-ons is more safe. Yeah, for sure. And now I know you've just started a team last year, and I, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm i remiss in not having uh, followed it much. Yeah, I've heard bits and pieces yeah, yeah. Of, of what's gone on, but not a lot. Well, here's the thing. And I know you left it up to the staff that you brought in yeah. to do the development you, portion. Well, here's the thing. Development is sometimes I think it's overrated, um, you know, because you can see a kid at eight years of age. Mm-hmm. All of us can see a kid at eight years of age and go, whoa. Yeah. Now, we don't know what the future is going to bring to that kid. Mm-hmm. But you want to bring him into an environment where someone could see that, what yeah. we're seeing, yeah. and teach him or her the simple things to do. Yeah. The simple things. And what is the simple thing? in my humble opinion, is decision-making. Mm-hmm. Is when to dribble and when not to dribble. Who to get the ball to. Yeah. Recognizing that. Yeah. And making great decisions. Mm-hmm. I think game-changers are not just great dribblers. They're great decision-making yeah. make- makers, I should say. Mm-hmm. And we are falling away from decision-making. Yeah. We're saying, like you say, pass the ball. Yeah. And the kid is passing the ball, but he's passing the ball to the wrong people and at the, at wrong, the wrong time. time. Yeah, exactly. Do you understand what I'm saying? Totally. So we're, we, I think we have to come together and realize that the game is very simplistic. And we were talking about it, how privileged we are yeah. to be part of this very simplistic thing. It was built, and it, the, the genesis of soccer or football mm-hmm. was for the common man. Yeah. You used to go on the street. And we used to decide, okay, you come and play with me. We come and then we figured out who, how we're going to score. Yeah. And everyone who got the ball was, they were dribblers. Yeah. <laughs> your, goal, your goal is to get from one end to the other and put it oh, in the back of oh, the ball. Oh, I'm going to dribble by three guys. Oh, I yeah. lost the ball. Okay. Then we get, go, go get it away from that guy. Yeah. And then, oh, that guy's open. We passed. So we started to figure it out. And I think we're, yeah. we're, we're losing that kind of natural instinct that we all had or have. Mm-hmm. And we're trying to really mold these kids into who we believe they should be rather than building on yeah. their God-given abilities so, so and, some, and building it up. Yeah. So some of the systems that I've seen, I mean, you, you look at the Dutch systems, for example, where it's at the younger age groups. It's just 4v4. Here's a ball. Go play. And, and there's no real rules. You just play. And I know we try and do that with some of the, the younger age groups here. Yeah, but I mean, like in in our in the grassroots, I mean, we we talk about from from four to about eight years old. You know, there we we work with a preferred training model. We follow the LTPD in here in Canada soccer. Everything's revolved around games and stuff like that. But always throughout, there's always a three v three game. There's always something that revolves the game. So if you're playing, um, you know, a some a, a simple one v one exercise, a numbers game, or whatever you call it, there's mm-hmm. always something that resembles a game. It's one v one. It's two v one. 2v2 something like that and we start that all the way through right so i mean it, i think it's very very important to give that to to the kids that give them the understanding that it's not just about 
um, it's not just about yes, technical development is is absolutely key, but you have to be able to play the game as well. Yeah, understand the game. Yeah, uh, I, I just you know we're gonna we're actually gonna take our first break here, but it, I mean we'll come back to it because I think it's oh, it's, it's it's such a great topic for sure, and it's a great topic to hear it from you know pros at a different level and from a different space than we're from. So. Uh, as the baby's crying in the background, we're going to take our first break here. Yeah, you're listening to <laughs> Sherwood. Diaper change. Diaper change, exactly. There you go. Yeah. You're listening to Soccer Talk in the Park, the official podcast of the Sherwood Park District Soccer Association. We'll be right back. Today's podcast is sponsored by Mr. Lube. Taking care of your car on your schedule, not ours. Mr. Lube. And we're back. You're listening to Soccer Talk in the Park, the official podcast of the Sherwood Park District Soccer Association. A little bit of a pause, being dramatic there. You know what I'm, know what I'm saying there, Toshi? Yeah, um, <laughs> hey, we've added a, a person in here. We've got Chuckles O'Toole in now. Thank you for having me. Well, oh, thank you very much, here, Chuckles O'Toole. Oh, it's fantastic there. Um, wrong accent. You're Scottish. But anyways, we'll throw it out there. Um, a fantastic discussion in between... Our little break there. Uh, we were talking about, prior to that, we were talking about um, teams, how they're made, built up. What are we looking for? You know, more individual efforts needs to be put into it. Changing the dialogue and the terminology of coaching, uh, which would probably make more sense if we're trying to develop players to be more efficient on the ball, more efficient at dribbling, um, getting away from, you know, that North American mentality of pass, pass, pass. Um, and now we've started talking about strikers and finishing and, uh, the efficiency that it takes to become a quality striker. Um, we were talking about how many chances does it take for one striker to actually, you know, cause in a game, how many, how many opportunities do you actually get in a game, Alex? Personally, I used to get maybe three or four. Okay. That's, and that was considered back in the day, that was considered good amount of scoring opportunities. Yeah. It's different game now. Yeah. Different ball game now. It is, a, more. it is a different game. Yeah. But I, I still think that, uh, I don't know, I, I, I just, it's a tough one because the, the, the conversation was good and I'm, I'm sort of thinking of dinner now. I'm just lost. <laughs> but, you know, but that's okay. We can get it back. DW's got more things in his stomach to think about. I enjoyed the point that Alex was, was making is that uh, the scoring opportunities are, are harder to, to come create yeah. than the actual putting the ball in the back of the net. So, so I mean, true. Listen, a lot of people tend to think that scoring is so difficult. That's why, you know, the strikers get the big bucks. Yeah. And to some degree, we can understand that. But you need somebody to stop the play, start the play, yeah. and create it. Mm -hmm. And that is so hard to do. So that's why each player on the field are as valuable as the next player. Yeah. And we tend to forget that. Mm. We gloss over, we look at the goal scorer and we go, wow, that player is phenomenal. But we forgot the guy who won the loose ball, yeah. did his individual job, mm -hmm. then got it to the next player who somehow saw that gap and he pen made a through ball to the striker who yeah. made a run and he's going to score on a goal that's 24 feet wide. Eight feet Eight high. Feet high. Yeah. That's a massive target. Yeah, it is a massive target. We tend target. to forget that that is a massive target. Mm -hmm. We have to teach our kids that the goal is as wide as the ocean, as high as the sky. Yeah. 
and you need calmness and composure to put the ball in back. In I net. am glad you said calmness. Mm-hmm. I had uh, I traveled with FC Edmonton's under twenty team to a game on Saturday, and it, it, it was part of what we were trying to get across to the two strikers was being calm yes. when you have that ball in front of the net. It was too frantic. It was too. They had got themselves in good positions, but six yards over top of the bar or wide, just not relaxing and taking that breath before you strike it. It's all going to happen in a millisecond, but there still has to be some calmness involved with finishing properly. The best goal scorers are really calm and composed in front of the goal. Yeah. The best goal scorers, whether you're an out-and-out striker, a wide player, or even a creative midfielder, you watch the goals that they score. Mm -hmm. Very calm. Yeah. Very cool and and determined. Sounds like Andy on the pitch today. <laughs> Calm and Calm and cool. <laughs> it's absolutely spot on. And there you go. There you go. And that's and that's the way it needs to be. So when you are developing players, or when you're working with players, younger ones, um, what type of do you impart some of this uh, to them, or as far as I don't know, I'm thinking of dinner again. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, you know what I mean. Yeah. yeah. In, in terms of de- development, I always work. You know, you try to work back from from the from the goal. The kids have just watched match of the day. They watch the Premiership game and all the games that's 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 around, and they'll come back with the excitement. But they don't tell you about the exciting defending, the last ditch tackle of the defender. They don't. They say, oh, "Do you see that goal? Did you see that goal?" And is assist. Yeah. They're, they're quite savvy, uh, the the kids, and then. You think if they come rushing to training or practice, you know, they've got this vision in the minds of, I want to do that, I want to do that. And right, we're doing uh, <laughs> crossing and missing today, you know. <laughs> 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 you know and, and the reason we call it crossing and missing is the, you're asking maybe young players who are not technically developed that mm-hmm. leg strength or physically to, to put in these balls into an area that you've just seen on the telly and these kids have got, you're asking them to get on the yeah. end of. Well, it's so much simpler than that. Just, you know, bring everything in, give them lots of opportunity to strike the net. Yeah. It's 20, 20 goals of me shooting at a net, even at my age, I think I would say... That's my sweet spot. I keep that's the bit that body memory kicks in, mm-hmm. and you think I hit that one sweet. I'll try that again. I'll try that again. Mm-hmm. But the goalkeepers come off five yards off his line now, so it's a completely different finish. Yeah. But and it's funny though because I mean you had said earlier, Alex, that uh, you know you'll get five chances in a game and you'll you know hopefully score the one. If if you had. 20 chances or 10 chances in a game and you only score the one you could still be the you could still be the hero of the game but you're not going home happy no No. and and then there's and you're you're on the transfer list yeah (laughs) what's what's different for me is is the keeper you're playing against might have stopped nine of those shots let the one in and he's the goat Goat. yes I I just you know for me it's just the imbalance there between well, let me throw something out here. Do you think strikers or natural goal scorers are developed or born? Ooh. I we're getting deep. Born. We're I getting deep too. into that. Uh, no, I think they're born. Listen, perfect, perfect uh, example. People, I'm, you know, I lived in Portugal from the island of Madeira, where Cristiano's from. No. Obviously, I'm a big fan of the, of the man. I think he's been, he's one of the greatest players of all time. That goes without saying. Mm-hmm. People ask me this question all the time. If you had a choice between Cristiano Ronaldo and Messi, who would you pick? Mm-hmm. 
And I always say, I would practically, I would pick Cristiano because of the hard work, the dedication that he puts into the game. Mm-hmm. But if, I said, if I have to be honest with myself, the player that was born with it is the one that you would want to have, yeah. which is Messi. Mm-hmm. He was born with it. Mm-hmm. It was given to him. It was a gift. Cristiano had to work his way to get to where he at. And that is good for the common man. Because yeah. you can see that if you can work hard, you can become like a Cristiano Ronaldo. And now, Messi works just as hard. Don't yeah, get, of, don't, of don't course. Don't get away from it. But he's yeah. born with certain things that you cannot do. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. And, and born, born with, I'm, I'm not so sure. I think it's nurtured. I think that inherent composure, you, you know, and... It, you know, is an instinct that he can cope with. But Christi- if Cristiano Ronaldo, Messi, uh, you know, all, all, the, all the good goal scorers, they'll have been good goal scorers from uh, in the backyard, in the back, playing in the backyard, striking it into the net, taking it onto the field. Have they been in an environment and? You know, you you will know more than me, Alex, about uh, Cristiano Ronaldo's upbringing. But are they in an environment that encouraged them to keep scoring and not like and with the greatest respect? I heard a rule that has been a, is part of you score more than five goals in a game today. Oh, you had mentioned that, Alex. You, you, you score five goals in a game. You're not allowed to score a sixth. Uh, that's apparently uh, something that was put in the in the in Ontario, in wasn't it? You were mentioning it was in Ontario. Well. We, I might have had five little half-yard tap-ins, and now I'm 25 yards away. I'm risking should I do a um, a Man City uh, company? Company yeah. should I do this Vincent company? Oh no, I can't. Why? Because I've scored five. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, ridiculous! It, it, it's totally ridiculous. Yeah. I agree yeah, with yeah, you. Yeah, I agree with you. You know, and I thought the person was joking. It was serious. Yeah, oh, and, I couldn't uh, believe it. And you've got to, you know, the other thing I'll, I'll throw in there is if that person's been allowed to score five, mm. right, is the standard that that player, player is playing in, uh, the standard that they should be playing in, is the opposition the standard that the player should be playing in, is it probably somebody's uh, son or daughter who that team is based, ar- is based around and there's all kinds of glory yeah. for this... Has that player now said, well, I'm too, you've outgrown me. Mm-hmm. Have they passed it on to somebody who will take them that much further? Because five goals will not be the, the norm for them. Mm-hmm. They'll get the one. But for Christ's sake, let them have experiences of scoring from wide angles, high headers, chest, uh, yeah. scruffy goals. So yeah. you can't, I can't score a scruffy goal now. Why? Because I've scored five. Yeah. But, if we score five in the first 20 minutes, I may as well get off the field. Yeah. <laughs> that's exactly what they're I, telling you. And, and that for me, is that that's just a crazy point. But we were talking about the, 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 the born, the player that's born to be a player. Do, do you think, it, is it just their recognition, their soccer awareness happens and comes so much quicker to them and easier to them? Do you think the soccer awareness, like you said, is nurtured? Is it brought into their game? I think it's a combination of those things. But yeah. to be honest, there's some kids that are just, you watch them. And they just, they just have it. Listen, my son, who's 14 years of age, when he, was, when he started to walk, it was just, you could see it. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, what's going on here? Two, at two years of age, you can see certain things. Now, you don't know what will happen. Of course. But I'm sure most people who, most parents that have kids that have gone on to be really special in any sport, yeah. they'll tell you, 
there was something about my son or my daughter at a certain age that yeah. you can see something. Now, they're being nurtured at the same time. Don't yeah. get me wrong. So Tosh mm-hmm. is right about that. But I honestly believe, just like in any walk of life, there are some people that were born to paint. Yeah, for sure. You understand? There was I was, some people, I was born to eat. Yeah, there you, know? you go. And then, even more than others. <laughs> that, so we, we have to know. But I'm, that's agree, the point that I'm trying to make. There are yeah, some yeah. people that have certain things that you... It's, I think it's a gift. Yeah. It's yeah. a special yeah, gift. Yeah, but with yep. you, you, so with, if the artist, let's, you know, let's just move, change out. So the artist has got a gift. Yeah. Do you leave him on the kitchen table, or here, on the kitchen table for the next 25 years, just scribbling away? Or do you put them in, a, in a, an environment that encourages even more creativity? Yeah. There you go. And yeah. that's... Yeah. What that's I'm, the combination. That's, that's the, the bit that I'm saying. Yeah. Kids, and Alex, honestly, I think... Uh, you know, there's a lot of players born before before the time. They think, Jesus, you know, I wish I was born today. Yeah. Some players would not have made it today. Oh, no. Would not have made it today. So but, players, but players like yourself who have that uh, instinct of around the goal, could score goals, you've actually would be in an environment and with specialists who can get you scoring one or two a game. Even more. At, the, at a higher level. Yeah. Rather than... But, the five and the sixes and the ten goals that you might have scored and you know you've come away that's a learning curve yeah. that we're saying now take away mm. I don't think so I think you're putting yourselves on the back foot these yeah. topics are phenomenal that we, we need to have the conversation oh, the conversations have, have, have to be had we have the young players that are playing right now and and I love the direction that soccer is going this camp for instance you, I'm seeing some kids here just locally yeah we work today for the first day, and I'm watching some kids, and I'm going, wow. Mm-hmm. Hey, there's some things here. So we, we're, we're going to always find those kids. Yeah, for sure. It's what do we do with those kids? And, and, and it's tough on clubs. Yeah. Because there are certain kids, and, and Charles, you'll touch on there are certain kids that shouldn't be playing at this level. They should be playing elsewhere. How do we do that? We need to work together with different <laughs> fractions and make sure that we put these kids in the right environment. Agree and, wholeheartedly. And then everyone needs to benefit from that down the road. If we can get that environment going yeah. and people take away their egos, mm-hmm. the kids wouldn't that be, be sweet? Wouldn't that be something? Well, that's, that, 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 that's the thing, Alex, is like we have coaches in here. Oh, I've been with this team two, three, four, five years. I've kept all these kids developed. I've developed these kids. Well, these kids need to be obviously pushed a little bit more. Like they're not being challenged where they are right now, but because of their egos, they want to keep this player or two players in within that team and not progress them to the next level. Mm. And that's something I think probably every club is battling oh, yes. right now. Yes. And for some reason, they think it's their coaching that's developing these kids. Maybe to a little part, but it's it's not. It's not. No, it, it takes a takes a, oh, a village to, to develop a, a raise a child. Exactly. Oh, yeah. It's not just a, a singular group or one coach. You know, you, you, sure you can have an impact on a player, but it's everyone else around them that's that's helping. It's the same thing when I when I talk to the keepers and work with keepers. It's like you're going to have you know five to ten other keeper coaches in your lifetime. If you can take bits and pieces from each one of them, make them your own. That's what's gonna that you're gonna develop into a great keeper. I, I think the coach. I think the coach should be the one pushing that player to the next level. Yes, there you he's go. developed here. He knows There's he can't take him answer. any further. That's when, now we push him on to the next is, person who can take him that, that step further. That, that's Listen. when you you need the coach to know his role, and that's say like yeah. the Dutch model where they say there could be an expert at twelve. Yeah, and then 
to move on to the next guy who knows. Yep. On to Alex, he, and he's the finishing man, or that you've got yeah, to have that process. But the ego gets in the way. Yep. Now, Agreed. No, I, yeah. do, I do believe that there are certain coaches that have made a bigger influence than other coaches in a, in a young player's career mm-hmm. for whatever reason. And it may not even be the technical part of the game. It might be the mentorship yeah. that was more important than the technical part of the game. And there are some coaches when in other sports, you can find it in basketball, that, that these players like would say, that coach, because he was there, he put my, his arm around me, he taught me this, he taught me that, it was mm. so invaluable. Yeah. And we have to take that into consideration. I think we should be more role models in terms of mentoring kids, mm. and then the icing on the cake is our knowledge of the game. Yeah. Like teaching them the right from wrong, making good decisions off the field, mm-hmm. for me is more important than making good decisions on the field. Yeah. And we have to start thinking like that as well. We're in it for player development, are we? There you go. We're not in it Passion for... Person development. Yeah. yeah. Person and player development. That's what we're in it for, right? Yeah. So why should we be, as coaches, holding somebody back? Why, 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 is there, why is there people out there that say, hey, you know what? You're going to let the team down if we... You're, you're our best player. You're going to let the team down if you go up and play in a different level. That's not level. coaching anymore, is it? Right, is no. it? Right? No, you're right. But, but it happens all the time. It happens all, all over the place. Coaching. No. Because at seven years of age, right now, the most important thing to, to me as the under-sevens manager is that seven-and-a-half-inch silver statue or that little <laughs> cup that I will be able to show my grandchildren in 30 years time <laughs> the problem with that is the daughter of my grandchildren it's the only trophy she ever won because I held her career back that uh, many times or for that long we, she missed the opportunity of bigger and better things because I was so possessive and that's the only one thing I've got to talk about where if I pass them on a little bit more and we went down these channels imagine what you can talk about the life experiences that oh, you that you sure. give the opportunities that, that that this great game provides and I never played professional but it's been absolutely fantastic to me mm-hmm. what a life you get them to love the sport if you get them to love the sport they could be responsible for the next generation and I just feel that we have to move away from the, the, the glory of being the best under-sevens team mm. <laughs> and, <laughs> and having the best player in the house. We, 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 know, we, did, we actually, that was one of our topics. I can't remember. It was a couple of months ago. Whose pitcher? Who was it? Was it Man City? Man City Man had City, a yeah. U6, U5, U5, uh, U5, U5, U6, U6 picture, picture of yeah. this academy. team in the stadium in their academy. They looked, you know, they looked splendiferous. Yeah, no, it was just unbelievable to, to promote it the way they did. False sense of security you're giving the kids. Unbelievable. And the, kid, they're part and the, of it. the kids are, oh, what, five and six year old. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. They're, they're sitting there like they're, they're young <laughs> professionals. I'm like, how do they even get those kids to stand still for that picture? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Exactly, yeah. and I know that. I, I mean, we all know that the the picture was pulled immediately, like the, the next day. Oh yeah, yeah. They, they. I guess the, the backlash was just unbelievable. It's uh, ego. Yeah, well, and and that's what that's what we've been talking it's about ego. here. It's, it is ego, and it's it's wanting to say that you're the best and that you've had the the biggest part in in the development of this individual player, or these kids, and and it's, it takes all of us. All of us are part People of it. Recognize. And, 
people who are sensible would recognize that, you know, whoever that coach is, you had an influence on that young player. Yeah. You had an influence on that team. If that's not good enough, you're not in it for the right reason. Yeah. If that's not good enough for you to not see and appreciate that others see and appreciate what you're doing yeah. to advance the improvement or the development of these young players. Mm-hmm. No, that's not enough No, for some. Not yeah. for all, but for some. Yeah. And they're giving this beautiful game that we all love a bad name because they're developing kids that are entitled. You know, and that's... You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah definitely. I'm going to use my uh, rule of... Uh, I don't know what I'm trying to say. I'm just I'm just a buffoon at the moment. So we're going to take another break is what I was getting to. I was trying to think of some clever way of saying it, and it didn't come out that way. So uh, you're listening to Soccer Talk on the Park, the official podcast of the Sherwood Park District Soccer Association with the Strive for Excellence employees here. We'll be right back. Today's podcast is sponsored by Mr. Lou. Fast, warranty-approved oil and fluid changes. Mr. Lube. So we're back here with the Strive edition of Soccer Talk in the Park, the official podcast of the Sherwood Park District Soccer Association. I have Alex Bunbury. I have Alec, Andy McKnight. Sorry. It was another A word. I didn't want to use the one I was going to use. But. <laughs> Are you hungry? Yes, I am hungry. Josh Farrell, we'll right <laughs> Chuckles O'Toole, and Digavinder. How are you guys? Uh, well, I hope. Um, listen, the banter. I just wish everybody. We, we should just keep this thing rolling as we do the talking in between because it's it's fantastic. Yes, I've, <laughs> it, in the podcast, that's the f bomb. By the way, uh, I, and I use it quite often. Um, we were just talking about multi sports, pro or con for a player that's playing. At any level to try and get onto the level, we see far too often players. We were discussing the Man City picture, but I mean, that in itself says kids at five years old are being asked to play a specific sport and a specific sport only. And you know, if you have the aptitude for it and you're the type of child, like you said, like we've, we've been discussing here, that there's certain players that are just born into it. And, and and just want, that's the sport they want to play. But um, as you were just talking about, Andy, the the multi sport thing. There's actually science yeah. out there, or they're trying to say that there's science out there that and they produce documents to the producing documents to say that uh, there's going to be injuries caused by players doing multi sports. That's what the scientists in the clubs are saying. Yeah, that's the and they evidence it through. Research. Yes, through various research. And for me, I'm just thinking, if you're playing multi-sports, if you're playing another sport outside of football, and let's say, like you were saying, lacrosse, hockey, uh, basketball. But but, but Andy is talking about boxing here. (laughs) (laughs) Of course you're going to get here. Of course the stats say you're going to get here. He's talking about judo and karate. (laughs) (laughs) And, and, you know, and, you know, in my humble opinion, people who use, who, and when we talk about the, the the development, we're talking about up to about 13, 14. I, you can't tell me that kids who are, who are not, who are good, kids who are good at footy yeah. are good at all sports. Yeah, you know, right. I they're athletes. Good at, yeah. They're just good at yeah. everything. Yeah. No, they didn't get there by, by, by chance. It's an aptitude, and I think some of those skills 
of you know whether it's like passing hockey uh, the, you know you're dropping shoulders at a hockey yeah. surely you're dropping shoulders in footy mm-hmm. they've got to be related yeah. Yeah. but I, I can't balance on skates well I can <laughs> tell you right now that, that, <laughs> that you probably can't um, no the, the one of the best hockey players to ever live was Wayne Gretzky yeah. from who ended up playing here in Edmonton and was was a star here in Edmonton for the longest time is the one of the biggest proponents of multi-sport yeah I'm you know his, when he was younger the hockey season would end the skates were hung up for the summer and he would play baseball or or, or soccer yeah. he, he didn't play hockey yeah. all the time well a lot of the european hockey players that come over here and play with the clubs you see them in the hallways part of their warm-up they're keeping the ball up yep. they're, they're juggling, juggling the ball yep. yeah they're juggling the and, yeah. and, and they're coming up with all these um training you know, train physical training exercises to get you moving in multi-directionals. Well, what do you need to do that for? When well, just go let them play. Yeah. <laughs> That's sport. Yeah, go yeah, play you know, basketball. Go, you know, go yeah. do something. Yeah, yeah. And and you have to be able to enjoy the sport. I, I, I don't see how you can't. I, I just think having more sports activities involved, and then when you when you hit that 12, 13, 14 year old mark. Make a decision. Yeah, then. make you take your path. Think, think, yeah. think of the pathway you want to go down. Think of what excites you the most as an athlete, and and take that path. So, like back in England for you guys, like is there a lot of emphasis put on physical literacy? Like from say eight up to twelve, like showing the kids how to run properly, uh, working on uh, agility, speed, explosiveness, because that's something we've, we've tried to introduce into our teams here right now. And we're getting a lot of success from it now. So we're getting less injuries, but we're getting the kids learning how to run properly and looking after their body properly at, a, at an earlier age now. Well, well, the frightening thing, Charles, is we, when God knows how many hours I, I was out when I was gr- growing up on the street, you know, it, I'd probably get an after school, playing in school, playtime, uh, game of footy, probably get four or five hours till it went dark a day. On the on the sport, kids today stats in the, in the UK less than less than two hours a week. Yeah. Kids are doing taking physical. Wow. Uh, there's a big uh, funding to try and get the kids uh, into sport at primary school. There's there's lots of funding going on there, and kids don't like sport. You know, um, and you've got to say is uh, social media. Um, the emphasis on, you know, you've got to look right. You've got to be good at anything you've got to do. These, I played sports because I enjoyed sports. I, I participated because I just enjoyed it. But now it's, you know, it's like a career path. You know, your kids go to a game of footy in, in school and think, the parents are thinking, I wonder if they can get to be a player. We've now got it in both genders because of the takeoff with the, with the, women's, with the women's game now. Mm-hmm. Everybody's going into school. The pressure on them to be, and we go, we go back to what we were talking about before, to be the the, the thing of the parents. Some some uh, the the thing that they're putting all the focus on mm. and putting all their efforts in to get that player to be. The kids are just switched off, yeah, and yeah. you know I just think. To answer your question in terms of can they move? No, they can't. No. Uh, the urban playground has gone. Society took that urban playground. We used to climb over walls, used to run. Jump. Okay. I, I, I was just thinking the same thing. I mean, you'd play kick the can. You'd do something. And as as much as it's not a sport, 
There was an athleticism about it. Yep. There, you were running, you were jumping, you were hiding, like you said, jumping over things. Instinctively. Instinctively, yeah. exactly. That's the word. You yeah. were doing things instinctively. Yeah. You were being creative. Yes. You had to figure out how we can do this stuff. Okay, you go in that, you know, you, you were... And you'd make up rules yes. and, and make up games. So, and Because for me, intelligence trumps power. Mm. And I think the, 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 the athlete that's really intelligent has an advantage over the athlete that's just athletic. Yeah. I really, truly believe that. And I tell the kids, when you have the intelligence and you have the athletic ability, you have LeBron James mm-hmm. of the world. Yeah. Okay? And that's what you kids should be striving for. Mm-hmm. That's what the kids here should be striving for. Be an intelligent football player, soccer mm-hmm. player. Yeah. Understand the nuances of the game. Think things through. Mm-hmm. Don't just play just for the sake of playing and not knowing what you're doing or not knowing what you're going to do before you receive the ball. Yeah. Understand your options. What are my options? What are Play the high percentage. And I, I really focus on the intelligent players. Mm-hmm. Technical, but intelligent players yeah. and physical players yeah. and the mentally strong players. Those are the four pillars that I have in my program. Mm-hmm. Those are the things. And parents, you're out of it. Yeah. Parents are not involved in decision making that the organization or my my club is making. Mm-hmm. They stay out of it because they have a bias. Yeah, but Alex, I'm a stakeholder. I, I paid these big bucks. And, I want and my that, say. And that's and that's, and that's the attitude. And we that's get. the yeah. problem with yeah. that, right? It's yeah. the pay to play. We had this discussion mm-hmm. a year ago as well. Yeah, we did. The play to play to pay, pay to play yeah. is killing the sport. Mm-hmm. In many ways, because you have moms and dads who are saying, I'm writing out a check. Yeah. So guess what happens? Coaches are being compromised. Because they have to play. Because or... the kids have to play. Yeah. They're being pressured. So the coach cannot express his or herself mm-hmm. in terms of doing what's right for that kid. And the club cannot, and no fault of theirs, cannot say to that kid, you know what? You are not playing where you should be playing right now. Yeah. You should be playing at a lower level and learn from that. And then who knows what will happen? No, my son has to be or my daughter has to be on the top team mm-hmm. because I need to go out and tell people that my son plays on that, on team. that top team. My I mean, son plays on that. T- hey, listen, I, I call it as it is. Yeah, yeah. I, I, there's no need to hide. We need to be honest. Mm-hmm. Parents need to back off a little bit and do the right thing. Support your child. Mm-hmm. Be there for them. Yeah. But make them accountable. Mm-hmm. Let the coaches do their job. And mm-hmm. if the coaches are not doing their job, it will be seen. Yeah. And hopefully good people, intelligent people can sit that coach down and say, it's not working. You need to move Now, does, does some of that come back to what we were just talking about with the lack of play, the lack of like the change? Because I'm, I'm trying to think as a, as a child, I was much like, you know, what we were just ta- talking about, out playing, doing mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff, making up games, footy out in the street, hockey out in the street, everything out in the street that we would just the keep problem ourselves is, and the it's problem changed is now. With is that, it technology? No. I mean, or is you, it parents? You can't leave your kid outside now. It's You're yeah. going, wait a second. Yeah, yeah, fair Listen, enough. remember, when I was 14 years of age, I used to travel from Montreal to Ontario to mm. train with the national team program uh-huh. by myself. Wow. Yeah, true. You couldn't By do it. myself. You couldn't do it now, could Can't you? Can't do it. I yeah. used to be out on the streets playing mm-hmm. with kids until dark. Yep. And walking home 15 minutes yep. by myself. Yeah. Can't do that stuff anymore. You can't do that stuff anymore. So society's telling us we can't do it. So now 
parents want their kids to be in a safe environment all the time. Yeah. Can't blame and a controlled them. environment. And it, it control and stru- there's that's the word, and structured, right? Yeah. But they they're writing out the checks for it and they're demanding things. Yeah. And clubs to I mean you need the parents because yeah, you, you can't do. do you can't do this stuff without the you parents. You can't function without them and uh, So how do you get to a point where parents understand that listen the, the 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 asset in all of this folks are the players yeah. and the coaches. Yeah. It's not it's not the organization and mm. it's not the parents. Yeah. We have it upside down in North America. In Europe, in Portugal, where I come from, it's the players and the coaches that are the assets. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the organization gives them a platform. The directors give them a platform for them to do that. Mm-hmm. But the, the, the main objective is the players. The main asset is the players yeah. and the coaches. Here, the asset is usually the parents. Yeah, I think to, because they write out the yeah, check for sure. For you sure, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Let's be honest with that. Yeah, yeah. There are a lot of folks that don't want to be honest with that and say the truth about that. Mm-hmm. You know, in my program, I I call it as it is. Yeah. If you want to be in my program? This is what it's going to be like. Yeah. Well, but that's but that's the that's also a good thing, though. I mean, I think if you're upfront with the parents and everyone uh, in on a staff has to be on the same page in order to get that. A message across to the parents that might work. I mean, it might, it should work. I mean, uh, as long as you're always going to have at least one or two in the mix that, that's all that it are takes sometimes. a little it's off. Having one or two of them. But I was going to say, it, what, what we're doing as coaches and what we're doing with kids in the moment, that's all they see. So in the moment, if they don't have a long-term vision of where their child can get to, they're only going to see where their child is now. I'm going to compare them to the person that is successful. And if they can't see that it takes a process and, and time to a grow as, as their kids develop physically, all right, they, their, the mental capacity that the, that the child is going to bring in, um, the accountability like you were talking about, you know, the technical, all that stuff, if they can't see a long-term vision, you're going to have the issues with the parents. And that's where I think it, it's, it's, it streams from a lot is that everybody is focused in on the short term. Oh, we have to be successful. Our team has to do this. Oh, how come my, my son is not or my daughter is not as good as this player, person? Well, it must be the coaching. Well, no, it isn't. It's, there's a long-term vision that needs to be assessed. Yeah, and, and that has to be shared. I mean, it's all right, you, the, the club having the vision. I'm sure you share it with, you, with, with your parents. I mean, because yes. that's one of the, what the academies do. They bring the parents in. This is our plan. This is our structure. This is where we want to get them. Uh, and this is what's going to happen. It's going to be a bumpy ride for, for some of us, mm-hmm. but we, we'll, get, we'll get them there. But that vision's got to be shared. And before a dollar's passed over... The opportunity to say, I don't like your vision. Well, that's fair enough. You go to somewhere and share your vision with a club who you might be more in, in sync with. And I think to be you know, honest about what you can provide uh, as a club, you know, you, you can't say we're going to do deliver th- this if you can, if you really, you're only going to be here. You can strive for that. I think that's what we're, you know, we're all trying to do. But it, it's realistic uh, expectations, and I do feel that at seven years of age, everybody's dream at seven, their expectations. I want to be a player. You know, in the world that I, I want to be a player. Well, you, as a coach, I try to 
make them expectations live for as long as possible and stay with it. But there's going to come a point to the majority, not the minority, when them expectations of reaching those heights, uh, you've got to have the skill set to be able to deal with it and explain what went wrong. And you know, if you've gone through all the steps and you've gone through the processes of passing them on down the chain to the relevant coaches, you shared the vision of we tried, we tried, we tried. It's not a problem to say. But you people put off that conversation because they know that the question coming back is, well, in your vision, you said you were giving them to Andy because he was that stage of the development and Alex was going to do the eyes lighting the candles. and all. You never ever got to Alex. You never even got to Andy. You kept him for four or five years or here for four and yeah. five years. Well, how am I going to re- re- react to that? And then does that... Um, trans get information or, or lack of shit doing the vision does that get transferred now to all the other clubs in the in the area and does it stop you having the the pull of bringing those players in and growing your program because the vision that you you're trying to give you're not adhering to I'm not saying you're not by the way I'm just saying clubs in general clubs in general for yeah. sure and then we and it just go ahead sorry yeah so but unfortunately Andy we, we try and send that message out and we try to have these parent meetings in here. But you know what? They don't show up to them. And who are the ones that complain about it? The ones that, the ones <laughs> the ones that, don't that don't were in up. there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the yeah. parents have to understand that it's a partnership. For sure. They're just as important as the coaches yeah. and the organization. Because without the parents, how are you going to get the kids here? Without the parents, encourage them to go. And so it's a great partnership. Mm-hmm. I'm not putting down the parents. I'm just saying that parents have to understand and recognize that they can be highly influential in the development of their kids in a positive way mm-hmm. or in a negative way. Yeah. So I, John Club's little presentation tonight is going to be about as well. Yes. Involving the parents in the development yes, of these the kids. Kid, I mean, I have a great partnership with my parents. Mm-hmm. We have discussions. We talk about where they, but they're, they show up. Mm-hmm. They yeah. want to be involved and yeah. they give you the benefit of the doubt because they see that you have the experience and you understand that they're not, their kid may not be, I tell them that your kid may not, may not make it yeah. to the next level, mm-hmm. but let's give it a shot. Yeah. Let's see where he, and if I don't think he's ready to play at a certain level, I will tell that kid personally first. And then I will speak to, and I will say, here are your best options. Mm-hmm. This is where you should be doing. This yeah. is what you should be doing. Let's see what happens. And the and parents, it's, it's not easy. No, it's never easy. It's and never I, easy. Because I know we have had those conversations yeah. with some parents. Because there's, you know, even with a club this size, there's two pathways. There's, uh, I don't want to use the term elite, but there's a higher level pathway. Mm-hmm. And then there's a recreational pathway, mm-hmm. which both are fantastic modes of yes. you know exercise and, and and getting yourself together but it's it's some of those parents who have the expectations yeah. of this when the actual player is is right there. not yeah. groomed or not yeah. ready for yeah. that next and he level may or may not be or she exactly. may or may not be but we have to understand that it takes time and I think you hit it on the head yeah um, it takes time. It's a process. It's, it is a process. It's not something that happens overnight. I mean, Cristiano yep. Ronaldo did not happen overnight. Wayne Rooney did not happen overnight. Yeah. And the list goes on. Mm-hmm. It takes time. And some kids develop quicker than others. Yeah. But you need to be patient. And I'm, you need to believe in the, the organization that you've 
that you've given that responsibility of mm-hmm. developing your, your child. It's a big responsibility as well. And for players, it's much like John's message, John Club's message at, uh, at the lunch hour. I think one of the things that I really took away from that was if you want to be that next level player, if you want to achieve and get on with uh, the game and, and go f- as far as you can in the game, you have to love the game. You have to love to play in the schoolyards, in the streets, playing all the time. But for the love of it, not just because you're thinking you're going to move on. And you're not doing it for mom and dad. No, you're doing it for you. You're doing it for yeah. you. Just just relating that back to um, at, at Everton, when, when the, the academy systems really, really kicked in um, and the clubs are corporate now, I mean, you know, and big business, yeah. The, all the coaches got brought in, and rather than uh, who's going to get in the first team or, or who's going to get scholarships or whatever, it was uh, KPIs. You know your key performance indicators. Uh, you know what what KPIs tell you. He's he. You know there was no girls at, at the time, so he's going to be in the first team and all the rest of it. Uh, I want a list of your KPIs. I said I don't have to give you a list. I only work off two. And I've got the chief exec looking at me. <laughs> He's got two KPIs. Yeah. He said, can I ask you what they are? I said, yeah. Are the numbers consistent every week? Did mm-hmm. they come? And he said, yeah. He wasn't that impressed. And the, and the other one was, well, what's your other one? Then he said, well, what's your other one? I said, did they arrive early? I said, because if they're arriving early and the numbers are consistent and start going up, this program's working. And at the time, we never had a you know a pot to to, to weigh in. Yeah. Uh, Manchester United, um, Man City was struggling at the time for for the the, the academy the, the levels academy, and stuff. Academy, yeah. and not struggling as a, as an academy, but uh, the environment. Mm-hmm. You know, we twenty million pounds facilities. We we had nothing. We had a. A, a brick wall, you know, outhouse, you know, 30 by 30, and it was freezing. You could hang meat up in it. <laughs> you know, in the summer, I tell you. <laughs> it was freezing, right? And the players always always came early and always, and nobody wanted to go home. And at the end of that, you know, my little spell there at uh, Everton, the groundsman gave me a set of keys because we didn't want to go home. It's yeah. 20 past nine and these players still wanted to play. A number of those players stayed, went on. But, you know, because you provided those opportunities and you, the, the environment, because I think the environment mm-hmm. is key, which was is working with the parents, it is working with the with the other coaches. You've got to have like-minded coaches. You yeah. can't have these yeah, sure. working in silos. Yeah. Um, I, you know, we, we brought in coaches who were enthusiastic about the kids' enthusiasm, if that makes sense to you. Yeah, they, they, yeah, sure. they were, yeah. look at him, he wants to run, so yeah. I'm buzzing them up. And I just worked off them too. If the numbers started going, there's something wrong. If they're turning off for training or late, or pre- there's something wrong. And that's there with the big warning signs. And mm. when I worked in Boston, I'm not, this isn't when I did the thing, but... You're talking about that relationship with the players. When I run the program in Boston, 200 was all I was going to take. And I told the parents at the beginning, I only want 200 200 players in this program. In the six years, coming to six years that I was there, five-player turnover. 195 players stayed in the program from day one. I had a five-player turnover. Two moved because they thought they could go on to a better 
better programme. One, uh, one moved to relocate, went down to Georgia. Two players, the parents come in, is he going to be, or is she going to be a player, Tosh? Honest opinion, no. Thank you, because it's $200, this hockey suit. And I don't want to pay $200 for this hockey suit if, if you're going yeah. to keep them in football. What does that mean for me? A loss of revenue, of um, the player's revenue, whatever whatever they were paying. But my conscience is clear. Yeah. yeah. You know, with, with the with, with the program. So, mm-hmm. you know, so for throwing... I'm just throwing that on that in No, you can throw all you want out there, Toshi. It's all about it. You Give know what? Pine will go all night. Well, I, I was just going to suggest that uh, we actually wrap things up here. We've been going and we could continue to go. You guys are fantastic uh, orators. Uh, your ability to uh, get points across and, and, and all your experiences is just unbelievable to have in. And can't thank you enough for coming in this year again for you two and for your first time here Andy fantastic to have you on board so Alex thank you very much it's always been a joy I love coming here you guys treat us really classy with class and and the kids are great to work with and the parents are really appreciative and we we really well personally I I really enjoy being here I love coming here it's it's awesome awesome to have you Andy your first time here in Canada and first time at the camp Fantastic day one. It's been a great day. <laughs> it's been a great it's day. Been a great day. Yeah, yeah, well. Breakfast with Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> Come down with his kilt on. <laughs> Scared the kids. Yeah, that's fantastic. I did make breakfast. I made him a waffle. <laughs> cool. Yeah, I'm looking after him. I'm looking after And Tosh, always a pleasure yeah. to have you in here too, huh? Yeah, you're welcome. Fantastic. And, and you know, the, you're talking about consistency. Yeah. I mean, the, this environment for me is something that I, you know, you want to be part of. So, and Alex, you know, has been here from the last four, four years, I think we've done. So you've got one KPI. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it's all about. And actually, one more instructor as well. He's done well to work that in. Yeah, of, course, of course, of course. So, from Charles and Dee, thanks for coming in. Dan all hanging out in the background. It's unfortunate we didn't have an extra mic for him. Kind of glad. Um, no, no, no. It's unfortunate. We'll, we'll, we'll get you going again. Um, yeah, you've been listening to the Strive edition of Soccer Talk in the Park. The official podcast of the Sherwood Park District Soccer Association. We'll see you again. You've been listening to Soccer Talk in the Park, the official podcast of the Sherwood Park District Soccer Association.